You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. We've discussed the Vermont Mountain Bike Association on the podcast in the past, and my guest has joined me before. I think there's a lot to be learned from them as a statewide organization, but there's also a lot to be learned by those of us who are focused on smaller geographical areas too. Now, before we dive into the interview, I want to apologize for some microphone issues that I was having during the interview. My audio quality isn't up to the standard that I strive for. The issue has since been fixed and it won't happen next episode. Like always, I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 68 of Frontlines. I'd like to welcome back to the show, past guest, friend of the podcast, and executive director of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association, Tom Stussy. Hey, Tom. Thanks for joining me again. How's it going, Brent? So we've uh, we've spoken in the past about the Vermont Outdoor Innovation Coalition, uh, also known as VOICE. And, and now, since then, Voice has, has evolved quite a bit. And, and so how does the, the program currently work? I think the best way to understand how the Voice has changed is really to give a, a brief recap of how it started. And initially, it was how do we merge .org and .com perspectives into some effective trail advocacy to help persuade and push along some favorable policy and legislative pieces. Uh, and there was also some B2B benefits that we were hoping that they would be exchanging with each other. And that all worked a little bit. And the voice actually grew through that model. But as time went on, it became very apparent that they wanted to focus more and more on the day-to-day stuff that Bimbo was struggling with, which was which was great news for me. It, was, it kind of allowed us to take a step back and, and sort of build in and, and get at some of the details. And so that change with voice has led to... Because initially it was, hey, voice potential partner, help support Vimba. And then with that support, we can advocate. And through that advocacy, we'll generate some more access. And with that access, the chapters can build more trails and your employees love trails. And that's why you should be involved with Vimba. And while, while the logic chain was very sound, it was a little bit too long. So what we wanted to do is shorten that up and make voice a little bit more tangible uh, for the people both the businesses and their employees that were working for them, which in turn, most often are our members as well. So what we've done with, with, with voice now is we've actually created a naming grants program that they can, they can plug into. And so when, when we partner with the, with the businesses, they bring together all of their mountain biking employees. And then those employees then get together and talk about the kinds of trail projects that they want to see built throughout Vermont. And then with that interest, they generate grant criteria that they want to see fulfilled. And so they develop their own grant criteria. And then Bimba comes in and polishes up the grant with landowner agreements and permit and corridor approvals and that sort of thing. And then we publish those grants to all of the chapters and then all the eligible chapters based on whatever criteria are set up. They apply. And then we assemble all those chapter proposals and we share them with the businesses and the businesses then reassemble their teams and they actually choose which trail projects get funded. Instead of it being such a long logic chain and helping us advocate for access, it became, 
can your employees choose the types of projects that they want to see built? And it's really turned out to be a really strong program for us. It's looking like we're just putting all the, the grants together this week and next. We're going to publish them next week. If everything works out as planned, we're going to almost triple the revenue that we made from we generated from voice last year and putting it directly into trail projects this year. So that change has really meant a lot, a lot of great things for chapters. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of things that I, I kind of want to unpack there, and, and maybe to, to start with, I think there's from an organization's point of view, there's a simplicity in just having a, a company write you a check. You know, we need money, and uh, and if you want to give us money, awesome. But can you kind of speak a bit to the perspective or expand on the perspective of, of why that just doesn't work for a sponsor or a potential adopter or one of these businesses? Why is just that that relationship of writing a check just not what they want? I think, I think it's, um, I don't think this is unique to Vermont in any way. I think this is really common and everywhere. I think people really want to know what's going on and they want to have a voice in what actually happens. And, and a, a check is a little bit transactional in nature. And I think people really want to dig into the specifics because not only do they want that check to be a very high value for them as a business from a, a marketing and, and a promotions perspective, but they I, more and more people are very genuinely interested in, in the cause and they want to be sure that the, that the transaction itself, the check itself is actually is getting translated into authentic stewardship. Because oftentimes when we say stewardship, people think money, but money is very peripherally, is only peripherally connected to authentic stewardship. It's really what happens with that money after the fact. And there are nonprofit directors in all parts of the country that are doing an amazing job of turning sponsorship revenue into amazing programs that are having uh, amazing community impact. That community impact and the way that they're involved, the companies involved in having that impact with their local communities, that's ultimately the stewardship return. It's not necessarily the check. So I think people want to be more involved from, from start to finish. Interesting. How do you balance having this this scalable program that that you can repeat and emulate with with different sponsors? You know, so it's easy for for you as an organization, whether it's it's you as as staff or or you know for other organizations that might be all volunteer. You know, simplicity is kind of key with this stuff. But prospective sponsors, you know, it sounds like they want to be involved, um, which is going to mean a little customization or potentially a lot of customization. And, you know, it's, it's tough. You want to make sure that all of these sponsors feel unique, but at the same time, it needs to be scalable. How do you balance those two? That's a great question. So when, when their groups come together to write their criteria, they come up with some really interesting stuff. Because again, ultimately, the, the company's employees are what's building the grant criteria. And they, they've come up with a variety of stuff. Like They do very interesting social media exchanges, photo documentation of the projects. Some of them want signage on the trail. Some of them want a logo on a kiosk. Some of them want a badge on a, or a medallion of some sort on a bridge if they're sponsoring bridge materials. So they've, they've been pretty unique uh, or creative, rather, in, in setting up their grant criteria. And a lot of it, that speaks to the kinds of things that those employees want. So what are some, some examples of, of these grants? Like it, it's, each of these uh, businesses is, is creating a, a naming grant. Are they all very unique or are they a little cookie cutter in the sense that it may be just they're switching out uh, some of the, the finer details, but for the most part, they're, they're similar? The eligible expenses, the permitting, the budget stuff, that part is fairly boilerplate because those are the things that it's incumbent upon the association to ensure that it's a high value uh, sponsorship. But 
where it becomes unique is is the criteria itself. But a lot of a lot of them have been interested in maintenance grants because we're Vermont is a pretty popular spot for all the, for all of New England um, and New York. So there's a lot of ridership here. Um, some of them want to do new builds. Uh, some of them are really interested in updating, refurbishing some existing trails so that they're adaptive friendly. That's been a pretty popular option for them. And then a lot of times they come in with a lower grant total if it's a smaller business and they say, this would be great if they could do a bridge or apply for some tools. So it's, it's, a, it's a range of things. When I think of grants, I think of capital projects, you know, big builds, new trails, refurbishments. But to kind of hear you mention that that maintenance, is, some of these grants are focused on maintenance is, is really cool. Yeah. In, in speaking with them about it, it's, it's interesting. Most of the businesses were more interested in maintenance than they were new builds. A lot of it is a reflection of the teams that are working at the company. They are riders. They are members. They are people that are out there also volunteering for their chapters. And so sharing that person from a business's perspective, they're an, they're an employee, but from Vimba's perspective, they're a member. And allowing them to have that voice and get that message out to the business community it really it, it completes the cycle of stewardship. So, do you see companies wanting to to keep their money uh, local? You know, for example, if if let's say a, a business's headquarters are are in Burlington, mm-hmm. do they want to fund trails that are in Burlington or, or relatively close to to Burlington, Vermont? Fortunately, not one of the, one of the primaries that we're working with right now is Burton Burton Snowboards, and uh, they're based in Burlington, and uh, they're doing a grant, and it's open. All counties in Vermont are eligible for the grant. I think the businesses, again, they're, they have people that are riders that travel all over the state to ride. And so they have this insight that the business owners may not necessarily have. Um, and that's the added value also to the sponsorship dollars that they're now having employees educating them on what actually is happening, quote unquote, out there. So they're really able to, to knock down the barriers for a lot of chapters and a lot of places in Vermont because they know what needs the attention more so than potentially the business owner does. So that there's really quality relationships happening inside the businesses. So how many grants are there over the course of a year? Well, we try to cycle them all around the annual fund. So right now, sort of the time where we're going back to the businesses and asking, okay, you verbally committed a couple of months back. Let's work on your criteria now. Let's get that. Let's get everything published so that chapters have enough time to put forth a a quality proposal for you to review in advance of our annual meeting, which usually happens at the end of um, November. And that then allows us to have a commitment in the fall and then some planning over the winter. So the grants that are going to be awarded in November this year are for the 2020 building season. And then as soon as that starts, the building season starts in 20, we'll start hustling up more naming grants then going into the next annual meeting. So we tried to head it up in the last quarter of the year. And you asked about the number of grants. And this year there's going to be... It's hard to say because we're waiting on just a few partners right now, but there should be somewhere around a dozen, a dozen to fifteen different grants uh, this year. And it being our first year, we're pretty we're pretty excited about that. Uh, and then, in addition to that, there will also be the Vimba Trail Grant as well that we've traditionally done. That'll that'll exist as well. So the plan there is a lot of the chapters are like, well, when are we going to be doing the Vimba Grant? And we want to do that after the annual meeting is the plan right now because we want to know who was successful among the naming grants. And then so that if somebody has a, a very important project that for whatever reason wasn't granted, then the advisory council can can address that need with the VIMBA grant. 
Yeah, and I'd like to I'd like you to expand on that a little bit more. How many chapters? Just as kind of a review for those uh, listening, and, and also myself, how many chapters are there at uh, at Bimba? There are twenty seven currently. Okay, and so you know, let's say some are struggling to to raise funds with a particular project, or perhaps their grant application isn't the one chosen for a grant. You know, what what kind of safety nets are there to make sure that chapters who need funding are still getting funding? Yeah, that's a really long answer. Um, um, <laughs> we have the time. We do. Uh, so initially, so not everyone's going to get a naming grant. One of the rules for the chapters is that they can only apply for one of the naming grants to be sure that every chat, all the chapters that have strong proposals are getting seen by as many business partners as, as they can. So we're trying to keep that as fair as we can. That's that's really interesting because that's um you know even just the model with having the chapters going for these grants I mean that really is different than if they were going for grants out of much bigger pools right like there's yeah. always this competition with grants so yeah. so right out of the gate even if if it was every chapter trying to go for a single grant that's still a, a better odds than I think some of the other grants yeah. that, that group will be applying to yeah but to hear that they're only allowed to go for one that really kind of narrows down the field, which is great. It gives people a really good opportunity. Yeah. It certainly encourages the proposals to be very high quality. Certainly. Yeah. Cause there's yeah. some good, there's some good, there's some very friendly competition there, but there's this intersection between the kinds of things that the, that the grants will be supporting. For example, the adaptive refurbishment is a type of grant, but then that's all framed in the chapters themselves are also extremely different. And one of our challenges was how do we have, is it, a, I mean, are we truly trying to develop a one size fits all model? Sort of yes and sort of no, because some chapters need cash. The smaller chapters want revenue to build more trail and the larger chapters that have more membership revenue need more admin support from the office. So there is an intersection of the type of grants that are available versus the kinds of things that the chapters actually need. Allowing Basically, taking all the voice revenue and changing that from it being operational support to it being trail building support really basically flipped our entire revenue model this year in that traditionally it was we retained a percentage of the membership revenue, which supported the admin structure. And then what was left for that became the Vimba Trail Grant. And then that was sort of the end of the story. Um, And we were utilizing voice revenue as part of that operational support. But all throughout 2018 and leading up to up to this writing season, the conversation with the chapters was, why don't we all start advocating for and fundraising for trail projects together and then spend our membership revenue differently? So now we, we do the membership platform exactly the same. And there will be some left for the Vimba Trail Grant, but it'll be a little bit less than it had been traditionally because we took out the voice revenue from operations and put that all towards chapter projects. And then in exchange for that, we're actually holding on to a higher percentage of, of membership revenue. And so, because it's, it's always easier to raise money for a trail project than it is to ask somebody to help you keep your lights on. So we, we utilized this, the stable revenue for operations and then are aggressively going after trail funding instead. And like I said, from we've almost tripled last year's voice total just by that, that one change has meant really strong things for us already. So we're pretty excited about the change for sure. I, I really like the the pairing that ends up happening with this, right? Like you you have the right company with the right chapter on the right project, you know, and so this this really makes like everybody's involved and everybody's kind of happy and getting what they want, and I, you know something that um, 
that a past guest and I have, have spoken about Cynthia Young with the North Shore Mountain Bike Association. She, she spoke to me about donor fatigue, right? And how these, these companies would, would kind of get tired of cutting checks, right? And, and we saw it at a high level too, I think with, with, uh, with Imba and Subaru, right? It's like, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. And even if there are benefits, if those benefits don't evolve and those benefits don't change, it, these sponsors will just kind of move on and, and give their money to somebody else or, or do something else with it. With it, and, and so this seems like a great way to kind of constantly be keeping those companies, those adopters, uh, those sponsors engaged and really preventing any kind of donor fatigue that might happen. Yep. That's, yeah, that's kind of the cornerstone of the whole deal. I, you know, I, someone much smarter than myself told me years ago, if you ask somebody for their money, they will give you their advice. And if you ask them for their advice, they'll give you their money <laughs> and, uh, and, and nothing could be truer. And when, when, when the businesses employees are coming together to advise the association on what should be happening next, it's it's the fastest and quickest path to authentic stewardship that a business ultimately can take. Uh, and that is being constantly advised by because the aggregate always knows best better than the office, right? And so we want to be out there learning and knowing more about what what our members want. And in working for outdoor minded businesses happens to be a, a pretty cool bridge for us. Now we've spoken in the past. I know you've you've always uh, you've told me that you know you're you're afraid of giving the impression that that Vimba knows what they're doing, right? And that there's a lot of different ways to kind of uh, achieve these goals and 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 be successful. But I, I I'm always impressed with with what Vimba is doing, and I think that they are. Uh, it, it seems like you know what you're doing, and and I know that things are changing and evolving and adapting, but. In those evolutions, in those adaptations, it, you're always kind of improving on things, which is which is really impressive. And and I think there's a number of other states right now that are looking at creating some sort of a, a of a program, whether it's creating a chapter system or just having some sort of conglomerate that will be a voice to be able to go to to state legislatures. I know my province in, in British Columbia in Canada is is doing something similar with Imba Canada, and they have a, a BC council and. There's many different goals as to what that is and and what those different organizations are there to achieve and and you know obviously you've got a, a chapter system in place in Vermont but other groups are kind of just trying to make sure that they have a, a unified voice uh, you know just take us back a little bit like let's let's go right back to the very beginning of, of Vimba like how did this organization start for those that are maybe thinking like look I want something like this in my state or my province or, or potentially you know at a, at a bigger scale on a country level as well what was the, the very beginning yeah I mean credit where credit is due first I mean the association was around long before me uh, initially launched in 97 and got its federal status in 07 and my predecessor Patrick Kell certainly put the groundwork in for sure on what the chapter program would be so credit there for sure in Let's see, I started in 2012, and at that time, uh, Patrick had just gone to Imba Southwest, and that's when the quote-unquote outdoor recreation economy conversation was really firing up in a lot of places in the country. And I think at that time, it was also pretty serendipitous timing for me in that the chapters wanted to know more and more about what the other chapters were doing, and they recognized that they needed some really strong organized representation if that economic discussion were to flourish, which it has, clearly. Um, and so I think the, the chapter model itself was a pretty heavy lift, I think, for Vermonters for in some way. And I mean that as endearing as possible. I think um, 
there there was a little bit of I would say not resistance but concern about there being a, too much of a centralized voice of mountain biking and that they didn't want to relinquish their autonomy and they wanted to do things the way that they wanted to do them and and so I just really went on the road tour in 2013 suggesting that everybody stays sovereign and and in control and in power at their of their own communities and all I really wanted to do was centralize the voice of advocacy in Montpelier and state capitol building and help them with membership and organize our revenue channels and disperse that revenue appropriately. And so it took basically a year to, to get that ironed out. And we launched the statewide model in 14. And it's been it's been a pretty good success since. At the time, we had about in 2013, 12 or 1300-ish members, something like that. And we should crest 6,700 this year, which is amazing. It was faster than we ever thought it would grow. Um, but the one element that we that we innovated, much to a lot of people's credit, was the add-on model. And that really made all the difference for how individual riders in Vermont had a voice in multiple communities because they could ultimately be a member of as many chapters as they wanted. And just a quick backstory on that is, or the mechanics of it rather is you join and you pay full price for a base chapter and then any other chapter you want to add you can add for 50 percent off and then vimbo routes 100 percent of that revenue to the added chapter uh, and this year we have almost 1600 add-ons and in 15 when we launched it, i think we had, we had less than 80 add-ons back then uh, but this year we should be over 1600 add-ons so it's it's an extra 45 grand into the pockets of chapters and the riders now are getting multiple newsletters and they're keyed in on multiple events and they're understanding how to connect the chapters networks now better than ever because they're, they're privy to all the master planning. Um, and that individuals having access to that level of detail really has meant a lot, a lot of loyalty to multiple chapters for a lot of riders in Vermont. Yeah. The, the add on thing I think is, is great and, and how you've worked it into, to your model with, with the 50% is, is really smart. I mean, you're at the end of the day, Vimba is still getting its 50% from that member. Um, and so by, by discounting that second membership, uh, quote unquote membership by 50%, you know, there's, there's no loss in revenue for Vimba, which is, which is great. You're still getting the, the same amount, but at the same time, there's another chapter there that's getting a whole extra membership out of it. And I think it's a great model. And, and I think I always would love to see something like this on a bigger scale, right? I'd love to see this kind of cross state lines. I would love to see this cross uh, even, you know, even the border between the U S and Canada, right? I think, I think there's some, some, some trail associations in Quebec that could benefit from, from working with, with Vermont and, and being able to kind of, have these uh these relationships and, and discounted memberships for folks that aren't local to a specific area and you know i know that's a bit of a loaded term just to kind of discount mm -hmm. something that we work so hard to achieve you know membership is so important to so many clubs and it can be anywhere from 80 percent, 90 percent almost all of a revenue for a trail association it can be as, as low as 20 percent of, of revenue for a trail association but that doesn't take away how valuable that revenue is and so you know it's a slippery slope when you start giving them away for free or, or discounting them but i think with this you're just it, you're getting more than what you would have had you know the person that isn't living in this town isn't going to buy a membership and so by getting them this add-on i think is really cool 
we struggle with that that conversation a lot um, in that because there's a lot of a lot of tourism in Vermont, a lot, and it's do we want to get a dollar or nothing from the hundred thousand people that yeah. came to Vermont last year to ride their bike? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the industry has shown <laughs> that you can do interstate epic passes, and people are traveling for is mountain biking for every bit as much as they are skiing these days, and I think there's a tremendous opportunity out there. Well, I, you know, to see that increase in the people that are that are getting that on add on just shows you the savviness of of mountain mm-hmm. bikers out there. I think I think slowly yet surely they're starting to get it. They're starting to understand that that trails aren't free. There's people out there working really hard, and and they're willing to kind of put their their money where their mouth is, which is yes. fantastic. Yes, awesome. Well, Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat with me. I, I really appreciate it. Always, uh, always educational. Always happy to kind of hear updates from from Bimba. And, uh, and thanks so much. Thanks, Brent. There's a number of things that stood out for me in my conversation with Tom, but one of them was recognizing that a potential business sponsor is going to be comprised of employees that could very well be your members. They end up becoming the ones advocating for your organization to be supported by their employer. There's also the potential of a snowball effect here. With the longer you have a relationship with the business, the more their staff could become involved with your organization and really start to understand the value that the local trail associations bring to a community. Once again, big thanks to Tom Stussy and the Vermont Mountain Bike Association for the conversation. Now I mentioned the Imba Canada BC Council during our conversation. And just recently, IMBA Canada has announced an Ontario Council as well. Hopefully we can keep an eye on the progress there in future episodes. Now, speaking of Ontario Canada, the Hydrocut Trails Committee and King Street Cycles, in conjunction with the Ontario Mountain Bike Council, would like to invite you to the 2019 Hydrocut Trails Symposium happening October 25th to 27th in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Join them for a weekend of riding, socializing, and discussion in Waterloo Region. The symposium is geared towards trail builders, trail associations, and trip planners. There will be a variety of topics covered from trail planning, trail building methods, trail association successes and struggles, as well as plenty of networking and discussion times. For more details on how to register, you can follow the link in the show notes or visit the event page at frontlinesmtb.com, where you'll also find other similar events. And if you want your event included in the calendar, then reach out to me. Like always, you can find the show, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can also join the Facebook group at Advocates on the Frontlines of MTB. You can send me an email or audio file to info at FrontlinesMTB.com. You can stream the show on Mountain Bike Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. Don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes along with a link to the Frontlines MTB Book Club, where a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. In the show notes, you'll also find links to the Vermont Mountain Bike Association and Voice. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevere. Production notes by Jennifer Pride. Artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson and BGW Creative. And a big thanks to Ben Walnack and the team at Mountain Bike Radio for their continued support. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.